Hello and welcome to the IT Governance Podcast for Friday the 24th of February 2023. Here's the news. The transfer of personal data from the EU to the US has been contentious for a decade. The Safe Harbour Scheme and its successor, the EU-US Privacy Shield, were both deemed invalid by the European Court of Justice following legal action by the Austrian privacy campaigner Max Schrems and his organisation Neub, or None of Your Business, who objected that the schemes failed to protect EU residents from US mass surveillance programmes and therefore couldn't guarantee that their personal data was afforded adequate protection as required by the EU General Data Protection Regulation. As you'll remember, the EU GDPR permits international transfers of EU residents' personal data under three circumstances, where the destination country has an adequacy decision demonstrating that it provides a suitable legal level of protection for EU residents' personal data through standard contractual clauses or binding corporate rules, or if an approved certification mechanism is complied with. Since the so-called Schrems II case in 2020, which saw the demise of the Privacy Shield, organisations have had to rely on standard contractual clauses or binding corporate rules, alongside supplementary technical measures when transferring EU residents' personal data to the US. The impasse appeared to have been resolved last October when President Biden signed an executive order to implement the EU-US data privacy framework and the European Commission began the process of adopting an adequacy decision in respect of the framework a couple of months later. Max Schrems was sceptical, observing that the data privacy framework was too similar to its predecessors and noting that it wouldn't survive a legal challenge before the Court of Justice. This month, in a further blow to the framework's legitimacy, the European Parliament's Committee on Civil Liberties, Justice and Home Affairs, or LIEB, has published a draft motion for a resolution concerning the adequacy of the protection the framework provides. The draft resolution urges the European Commission not to adopt an adequacy decision because the data privacy framework fails to create actual equivalence in the level of protection given to EU residents' personal data. Whether the Commission heeds the Committee's opinion remains to be seen. The draft resolution is non-binding. However, Max Schrems is undoubtedly poised to launch another legal challenge. Twitter has announced that it's disabling free text-based two-factor authentication, or 2FA, because it's being used and abused by bad actors. From the 20th of March 2023, only users who are subscribed to Twitter Blue, Elon Musk's controversial paid-for account verification program, will be able to use SMS as a multi-factor authentication option. Anyone who currently uses the service for free must switch to an authentication app or use a security key to avoid the security of their account being weakened. According to a 2022 Twitter account security report, only 2.6% of users had a two-factor authentication method enabled. Of those, the vast majority, 74.4%, used SMS, with 28.9% using an authentication app and only 0.5% using a security key. So, what can you do if you're part of the 0.77% of Twitter account holders who currently use SMS 2FA but don't want to pay for Twitter Blue? As the second most popular 2FA method, authentication apps are probably the easiest alternative. On your account, go to Settings and Support, then Settings and Privacy, then Security and Account Access, then Security, then Two-Factor Authentication. If Text Message is ticked, tick Authentication App, enter your password, and then follow the prompts to link your Twitter account to your authentication app by scanning a QR code or entering a text code. Once you've entered the information into the authentication app, Twitter will ask for a confirmation code. It's also worth generating a set of backup codes in case you can't access your authentication app at any point, but remember to store them securely. 
Talking of the Twitter Blue program, Meta has confirmed that Instagram and Facebook users will soon be able to pay for account verification for $11.99 a month on the web or $14.99 a month if they have an iPhone. According to the BBC, the service will be available in Australia and New Zealand this week. Meta hasn't said when the feature will be rolled out to other countries, although Mark Zuckerberg promised it would be soon. As the BBC's technology editor Zoe Kleiman comments, it's often said of enormous free-to-use digital platforms like Facebook, Instagram and TikTok that if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. However, with users becoming increasingly privacy-conscious and, where they can, opting out of their personal data being used, the big tech firms are eager to increase their revenue however they can, so we can expect the subscription model to become more and more popular in due course. The domain registrar and web hosting company GoDaddy has confirmed that it's investigating a series of attacks on its infrastructure. A statement published on the 16th of February said, In early December 2022, we started receiving a small number of customer complaints about their websites being intermittently redirected. Upon receiving these complaints, we investigated and found that the intermittent redirects were happening on seemingly random websites hosted on our cPanel shared hosting servers and were not easily reproducible by GoDaddy, even on the same website. As our investigation continued, we discovered that an unauthorized third party had gained access to servers in our cPanel shared hosting environment and installed malware causing the intermittent redirection of customer websites. Once we confirmed the intrusion, we remediated the situation and implemented security measures in an effort to prevent future infections. The attacker's goal is apparently to infect websites and servers with malware for phishing campaigns, malware distribution and other malicious activities. Further details were provided in GoDaddy's Form 10-K, the annual report that US companies are required to file with the Securities and Exchange Commission. It said that in December 2020, an unauthorized third party gained access to and installed malware on our cPanel hosting servers. The malware intermittently redirected random customer websites to malicious sites. We continue to investigate the root cause of the incident. Based on our investigation, we believe these incidents are part of a multi-year campaign by a sophisticated threat actor group that, among other things, installed malware on our systems and obtained pieces of code related to some services within GoDaddy. The Form 10-K filing summarized some of the other attacks in this campaign. For instance, in March 2020, GoDaddy discovered that a threat actor had compromised the hosting login credentials of approximately 28,000 hosting customers to their hosting accounts as well as the login credentials of a small number of GoDaddy's personnel. And in November 2021, an unauthorized third party used a compromised password to access the provisioning system in our legacy code base for managed WordPress, which impacted up to 1.2 million active and inactive MWP customers across multiple GoDaddy brands. GoDaddy continues to monitor the behavior of and block attacks from the organization responsible and is enhancing its security to further protect its customers and their data. Finally, we know that many cyber insurance policies offer only limited payouts. A newly discovered ransomware operation is therefore asking its victims to collude in insurance fraud as part of its extortion negotiations. According to a Veronis blog post, the group behind the Hardbit 2.0 ransomware doesn't specify a set amount of Bitcoin in its ransom note, but seeks to negotiate with victims to reach a settlement. Notably, as part of these negotiations, victims with cyber insurance policies are also encouraged to share details with Hardbit so that their demands can be adjusted to fall within the policy.
A hardbit ransom note shared by Veronis says, If you told us anonymously that your company was insured for $10 million and other important details regarding insurance coverage, we would not demand more than $10 million in correspondence with the insurance agent. That way you would have avoided a leak and decrypted your information. But since the sneaky insurance agent purposely negotiates so as not to pay for the insurance claim, only the insurance company wins in this situation. To avoid all this and get the money on the insurance, be sure to inform inform us anonymously about the availability and terms of insurance coverage. It benefits both you and us, but it does not benefit the insurance company. As ever, we advise organisations that maintaining appropriate security controls to mitigate the risk of ransomware infection, including implementing technical cybersecurity measures, regularly backing up your critical data, and training your staff to be aware of phishing threats, is by far the better course of action. That was the news, and that's it for this time. As ever, you can get in touch with us either by leaving a comment on the blog or via Twitter at ITGovPod, that's my account, or at ITGovernance, and we'll return in a fortnight. But until then, our archive is on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and you can find everything you need to implement and maintain cybersecurity defence in depth on our website, itgovernance.co.uk. 